Hi, I'm Nina Samuels, and apparently you have nothing better to do with your time, so you are listening to the Holy Shoot podcast. Welcome to a new and improved Holy Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This week, we'll be hosting the first of our new series, I Love the 2010s. And this week, we'll be listing our top 10, well, technically it's 11, uh, matches of the last decade. Joining me on today's show is Sam. Good evening, it's me. I'd like to announce I will not be exhibiting myself at E3 this year, and instead I'll be choosing to focus on exhibiting myself at hundreds of consumer events throughout the year. Okay, and uh, no one understood that reference. I'm Chen. <laughs> Hello, people. How are you? Yes. Do you seriously not follow the video game video game news? Yeah, at PS5, all? PlayStation. Is yeah, good. Someone yeah. got it, but nobody laughed. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't that it wasn't that funny. Apparently, you know. I thought it was very funny when yeah. I came up with it. I thought it was funny, um, yeah. and so you know, sometimes you've got to do a joke for just you. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's about the listeners. It's not yourself, you know, like. Sam, Sam, when you came up with that, did you say to yourself afterwards, that's, that's good shit? Yeah, mate, I, 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 I did a little giggle and I rubbed my tummy <laughs> on the tube and I thought I'm going to say that on the podcast and everyone's going to think it's really funny. You and now your... look where, where we are. You yeah, rubbed I was yourself so on the tube. I gave myself a little belly rub. Um <laughs> None of this is true, apart from coming up with the joke on the tube on the way home. And the belly rub. And the belly rub. I just do that all the time anyway. It means nobody nah. sits next to you. Oh, no, I'll sit next to you. Well, I'm I sit sure next to you all the time. <laughs> it all means strangers the on the tube don't. Oh, fair enough. You know, they just don't know you that well. I think if they get to know you better, <laughs> they know that's just Sam. They'd all want to sit next to me and rub my belly as well. Anyway, should we do a <laughs> podcast? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's just uh, go straight into it. So, <clears throat> uh, before we start listing our overall top 10 rankings, I thought I should give a brief insight into how this is calculated. Uh, basically, all six main contributors to this podcast, Jason, Chen, Sam, Mike, Chris, and myself, all listed our top 10 matches of the decade, with our top pick getting 10 points, the second pick getting 9 points, the third getting 8 points, and so on until our 10th pick gets one point this is all tabulated and the more points each match gets the higher it is in our rankings we also have a slight disclaimer i must acknowledge that in the 11 matches that are made our top 10 one is a joint pick hence it's 11 uh we realize that there are no women's matches in the following top 10 matches however since we love to celebrate women's wrestling on this podcast we thought we would do our own deep dive on the evolution of women's wrestling not just in wwe but elsewhere too and we will be releasing our own top 10 matches of the decade for women's wrestling later in the year so uh i so however i am sure that you will agree that all these matches that come up on this list are five-star classics with great stories and in-ring action so sit back and enjoy our discussion of the top 10 matches of the 2010s. Joint 10th. Uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Kenny Omega at the New Japan 
Pro Wrestling G1 Climax fi- Final in Tokyo, Japan on the 13th of August 2017 and AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship at New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 10 in Tokyo, Japan, 4th of January 2016. Dave Meltzer called the G1 tournament in 2017 the best he has ever seen and with that came our joint 10th pick in Tetsuya Naito versus Kenny Omega. Naito defeated Omega in August 2017 in a near 40-minute classic, a rematch from the previous year's final. These two men were up there as the most popular stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling at the time. Naito wanting to rectify his push from 2013, Omega wanting Okada one last time. However, it would be Naito who went on to challenge Kazuchika Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 12 for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. And in our other pick... This would be Nakamura and Styles' last match in New Japan Pro Wrestling and would be the first eye-opener of many to the New Japan product. It is a match that will forever stand the test of time as Nakamura defeated Bullet Club's most successful leader, AJ Styles, to regain his Intercontinental Championship. Sadly, for these two guys, Lightning was not captured in a bottle again between them and WWE. But for many fans of pro wrestling, this is a match that will live long in their hearts. Guys, what do you think of our controversial joint 10th picks um let's start with you sam you are the resident new japan expert along with mike mike's not here today sadly um so sam let's uh start with you wrestle kingdom 10 is uh aj styles and shinsuke nakamura are how i choose to remember aj styles and shinsuke nakamura uh, it's, I think, probably one of the best matches either man has ever had. Uh, I think I it was one of the first New Japan matches I saw as well, uh, because I looked it up after when AJ when they both got announced as coming to the WWE. Actually, that was pretty much what kind of got me started watching New Japan. Um, was them moving to a different company hilariously uh, and yeah that match was a particular banger uh, same with the the G1 from 2017 i mean the G1 every year consistently delivers some of the best matches of of the year it's like the best four weeks of wrestling that happens probably for the whole year or in my opinion anyway um and so yeah i didn't actually have that one in my top 10 but i do remember it being a great match so it's definitely you know not uh, out of place on this list I, I remember both matches. In fact, Nakamura versus Stars was the first New Japan Pro Wrestling match I ever watched. And for similar reasons like you, WWE signed uh, these two guys as well as Gallows and Anderson uh, not long after. And that was seen like as a game-changing move for WWE to sign these four top New Japan guys and how it would affect New Japan and the Bullet Club roster. Um, but I remember going and watch this match and I was like, holy holy moly these two guys i mean i knew aj styles from tna uh and i knew he was incredible but this was something else this was a beautiful hard-hitting affair um i think the right guy won because i think we all knew aj styles was out the door um but yeah this 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 was a great way to conclude their that chapter of their careers yeah if you haven't seen the match it's on youtube just go and watch it and then be like why isn't Shinsuke Nakamura like that now? Um, I mean, obviously yeah. there's many reasons, but like, yeah, seeing that match and getting excited for him coming over and then the reality of him in the WWE, bit, bit, bit of a disappointment. In fact, you can see why everyone's so disappointed with Shinsuke Nakamura if you watch that Wrestle Kingdom 10 match, because, yeah, he was incredible. 
Yeah, he started to rein it in in NXT and then in uh, main roster WWE. And, you know, it's it, 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 it's sad to see that decline. I think one of their matches was good on the main roster between those two guys, but yeah, nothing will compare to this uh, technical masterpiece. It, it's a match. It did what New Japan matches do so well, which is <laughs> even if you know the result, Still, some of the near falls at the end of the match, you find yourself looking at your phone and being like, wait, I'm sure in the file name it said that AJ Styles won or whatever. You know, you you, yeah. you, you forget that you know what the result is and you're just completely absorbed in the match. Uh, and this yeah. is really good. Yeah, for that. because I think AJ Styles was just like defined Bullet Club at the time and you kind of like forget that Nakamura won that match. And it was like, you know, at New Year's Dash, day after Kenny Omega comes out, becomes new leader of Bullet Club and is the one to challenge Nakamura. And that match never happened. Um, as far as I'm aware, Why? I can't remember. That would have been a match though, eh? <laughs> yeah, that would have been something else. Uh, in, in New Japan, not in WWE, of course. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, Naito versus Omega. Uh, I was watching the highlights of this last night because I hadn't seen this match in a while. Forget completely slipped my mind i believe this was um mike's top pick for the decade and it wow. is a, yeah it, i mean it is a phenomenal match and i think it tells a brilliant story um you know both both wrestlers uh, absolutely fantastic and there's not really much more to say other than just go watch that match it's uh it, it's definitely the best one of the best g1 matches i've ever seen yeah and watch the g1 just in general yeah it's absolutely <laughs> Absolutely, the G G one delivers year on year. Like, there's e- even if you can't watch all the matches, just find out what uh, Dave Meltzer gave above five stars these days. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's normally good. Yeah, five, a five star match is probably bad for the G one. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> it's just that's the standard, eh? Yeah, uh, and I think this, um, I think this might have got slightly over five stars. I can't remember, uh, but joking aside, the you know, Meltzer's right. This this is fantastic, and uh, yeah, this is one of the best G ones in recent memory, at least. Shall we move on to number nine? Yeah, I'm ready. Cool. Um, my keyboard just effed up. Oh, uh, now we're already on to number nine. Number nine: Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion Six Point Eleven or 6th of June, uh, June the 11th, Osaka, Japan, on 11th of June, 2017. It is one of the greatest match rematches in the history of professional wrestling. Coming off an instant classic at Wrestle Kingdom 11, Okada and Omega would battle out five months later to a 60-minute time limit draw. The story was simple. If Omega hits a one-winged angel, he would become champion. He did hit it. He failed. Okada's foot got to the rope, breaking the count. The last move would be Okada hitting the Rainmaker, but with the champ scrambling for the cover, the time limit was reached, and thus concluding the greatest draw in the history of pro wrestling, and leaving Kenny Omega without a win over what would become one of his most, if not most, famous opponent. So, Sam, again, back to the New Japan yes. expert. Sorry, Chen, we will include you. I, I mean, I believe you put this on your list, right, Chen? <sighs> Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just <laughs> Okay. Call me when you need me. Okay. <laughs> we might need you in the next one. Uh, I remember you this. You didn't have this one. Yeah, do you I have had... this on your list? 
I had the first match. Uh fair enough. Oh, okay, I, couldn't, okay. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember what. There's, there's three matches. Like, you know. Um, te- te- I hate to be that guy. Technically, there's four, but the third one was a G1 tournament match. So it only yeah, I know. I know. The belt. I know it's a quadrology, but you know the other ones. Where, kind of like, the the other ones kind of like Battle of Endor compared to the Star Wars original. Trilogy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The 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 G one match is like the Clone Wars in this trilogy, to use that kind of analogy. Oh, as in the, the cartoon uh, series. Boo, don't compare this to the fucking prequels. That's what oh, I said. Oh no, I thought that the Clone Wars cartoon. Oh, we're getting into Star Wars chat, but I thought the Clone yeah. Wars cartoon was supposed to be quite good. I never watched it though. Yeah. Um, I, I, <clears> anyway, it's not, it's not relevant. Right. <laughs> is it fair to say, lads, that this is the best draw of all time? As in, the best match that ended in a draw? Of yes, all? yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, that goes without question. Um, you know, no one's going to say Cody versus Darby Allen. No, I just remember because I, I, I didn't watch it live, seeing all my Twitter lighting up with people going, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but you have to watch this match, even though it ends in a draw. Like, it's the best draw. Of- that has ever happened. Wait, wait, so people ruined it for you. Yeah, I had it spoiled for me, but it's a New Japan match, eh? So you can watch... I still bit on all the near falls. When he hit the one-winged angel, I still thought he'd got it. Like I was saying to myself, I'm sure this ends in a draw. And then when Okada's foot touched the ropes, I nearly shat myself, just like... Nobody has ever kicked out of the one-winged angels. So the storyline going into that match was if Kenny Omega can hit Okada with the one-winged angel, which he's never been able to do, then he's got the match won. Everyone saw the move go down, saw him go for the cover and was like, this is it. Kenny's the new champion. But then, no, we forgot about the rope break, the rules. Yeah, at least one brand is consistent with the rules. Well. Mm. I mean, arguably. <laughs> arguably. <laughs> I mean, was Red Shoes referee? Yeah, exactly. The New Japan refs swing wildly between like intense about the rules and like, oh, you're getting a table out. That must be because you're going to do your homework during the match. Oh, you're putting your opponent on the table. Well, it's good that you're giving him a rest and like, you know, and so on. Oh, you accidentally fell through the table. Let's talk about this great match. Yeah. What, like uh, the referee. Sorry, yeah. Not mocking, not mocking New Japan refer- referees. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I mean, I think this was just excellent storytelling. Um, I, I was a bigger fan of this match than their first match, in all honesty. Um, I just, really, I put my their first match as my well. Well, maybe we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, I was definitely a bigger fan of the first one. This was the lowest. This is Dominion twenty seventeen. Yeah, co- so that's well, the lowest. Yeah, controversially, I only put one of the matches in because I wanted to include more wrestlers. So, oh, um, and, and I think you know, th- there's only one that defines that trilogy, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's true. The others were incredible wrestling matches, but this is the one when people say, or I remember that they always go, Yeah, wasn't the middle one a draw? This is the one that everyone's heard of. Uh, I don't know, I think it's mm. a tie. But I will say this for a sixty man sixty minute match, every bit of it was very exciting. Like there was no boring parts within the match. I would mm. say everything had me on the edge. And yeah, just Kenny's um psychological story of just trying to get that one wing angel and the frustration he was showing on his face when he couldn't land it multiple times because of Cardo, you know, he just countered it. I thought it was a great story te- storytelling in the ring itself. I, I love the fact that it starts off like it just all the matches build themselves up and with like the character of Omega he 
becomes, you know, more reckless as he tries to hit more moves that could. Yeah, more desperate. Yeah, exactly. The the desperation on that both men actually sell throughout this match, and you know you can tell right to the very end where the card is scrambling to make the cover to define himself as the better man over Kenny Omega once and for all, even though he's already beaten Omega. You know, uh, he survived the whirlwind angel, but you know Omega. <clears throat> sorry, Okada scrambling, showing that passion to get that pin and what it means to be IWGB World Heavyweight Champion. And, you know, it ends. It, it just ends. Like, it's a cliffhanger. You don't know. It, it shouldn't feel that way, but it does. But Are you guys happy with way. that, though? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, think, I think so. I think this is a rare draw where nobody felt disappointed because it, it yeah. was definitely not the end of the story, you know? It wasn't like the Seth Rollins, Bray Wyatt, Hell in a Cell controversy. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it's another way of just protecting wrestlers. Um, Keeping so, them both strong. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it made sense within the story. So, you know, if anyone did get upset by that, then quite frankly, they don't know anything about professional wrestling. Or storytelling. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Controversial. Uh, shall we move on to number eight? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I reckon. What was that? Was there a? Did you hear a car beeping? Yeah, yeah. Sounded like I think a clown car. I think someone driving past in the road outside. I can't hear it because I've got noise cancelling headphones on. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys so, obviously. So, can't. So, well, I'm like, my mic's sensitive. I, I like the fact that it sounded like a flute as well. So it's like, um, <laughs> it's just like, wow, number eight's going to be majestic. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Number eight. Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa in a Chicago street fight. NXT TakeOver Chicago 2, Chicago, Illinois, United States, 16th of June, 2018. The first TakeOver in Chicago was main evented by Gargano and Ciampa as they lost to the Authors of Pain in a ladder match. This was history making for the boys that made their name in Chi-Town. Until Ciampa delivered one of the most shocking heel turns in recent memory by assaulting Gargano just as that TakeOver was supposed to go off air. Fast forward to 2018. This was the second of a, in a trilogy of matches that would redefine both men's careers as main eventers in what is undoubtedly one of the greatest rivalries in the history of pro wrestling. This rematch from New Orleans was more violent and brutal with extreme spots galore and callbacks to both the heel turn and the unsunction match from the prior takeover. It all ended up with a handcuffed Tommaso Ciampa somehow getting a dodgy win over Johnny Gargano after planting him with a DDT onto the exposed wooden panels of the ring, leading to the iconic Ciampa waving goodbye. Discuss. First of all, was this the one where Chris attended, right? Uh, No, that was New Orleans. New Orleans, okay. I remember, because the first one was so good, like... You know, it's like you said earlier about the Nakamura and AJ Styles. Like, Lightning only hit, struck once. Yeah. But these two, wow. Like, they can have, like, 10 matches and all 10 matches will be amazing. Like, and the way it was so innovative, I just remember thinking, like, this had to be the main event. Like, you know, sometimes, in my personal opinion, that, if you're the main title holder for the company, so the NXT t- yeah. champion, you should main event last. You should go on last. But yeah. these two story was so 
amazing the way they built up for like over a year i was just like yep these guys deserve to go on last and close the show and yeah, I, I was like i want to i can't wait to see the next part of this storytelling i absolutely agree um you know i think the nxt championship was like good at that time but it was the show revolved around gargano and champa and especially with uh johnny gargano you know, every match, every takeover match he's been in has been a near instant classic. And this trilogy of matches were no exception. And this Chicago street fight was no exception. It escalated so much from what was a hard hitting affair in the unsanctioned match at New Orleans. This was delightfully, brutally violent. The amount of callbacks from uh, the story that they've told both uh, the original heel turn in a previous Chicago event to what they did in New Orleans to the build-up from TakeOver Philadelphia, which had that amazing Gargano versus Armas match, and to call all those spots back. Um, this is fantastic. And I think this match gets overlooked over the unsanctioned match just because the heel won. Um, if Gargano won again, I think it probably would have got more love, but because Champa won, it ended in silence. It was a deliberately controversial ending uh, because Gargano made Champa tamp out near the end, but the referee I wasn't like there. I like when that happens sometimes. Yeah, it was, a, it was kind of like an Attitude Era throwback, don't you think? So? Where people, they clearly really hate the heels, so you just get like proper silence. Right. Everyone just wondering oh. what happened. Oh my God. The, the introduction for Champa this time, absolute silence, no music. It was just uh, booze from the audience. And they that's why it really started, hated right? him. Yeah. His yeah. no entrance thing, right? That's yeah. when he started doing it, right? Uh, no, he started around. No, he's, I think he started the previous takeover. Yeah, he okay. didn't get entrance music until like four months into his new heel run. Okay. So you mentioned about the original heel turn. Was that the one where they did that thing for the first time where they put the end of the show graphic on the screen yeah. and have like someone posing, but then something happens and they just keep the graphic up like, oh, this actually isn't supposed to be happening at all. Because that's yeah. fucking cool. So if yeah. they gave us that, then yeah, it's so definitely I, good. I watched this. Uh, I watched the takeover of Chicago one main event. Uh just live just on the network and i remember the net the logo going up and i was thinking to myself but champ is going to turn heel it's like uh maybe not about to put my laptop down and then i see the fucking heel turn and i'm like just shook <laughs> and absolute <laughs> silence my mouth just i don't think my jaw dropped because i absolutely love diy and i thought oh, okay maybe they're just getting called to the main roster um uh, and they're not telling the story, but my jaw just absolutely hit the floor. Uh, I, I think it's the first time that happened since Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker. That's how much that heel turn meant for me because it was like the first tag team in a long time I fell in love with that and the revival. So I was like, "What?" <laughs> this was like my rockers moment. So yeah, like a year a later, when tag I... team breakup that matters or means something. Yeah, yeah. So and it's I, funny because um, I remember when they were as a tag team, mm -hmm. I just always thought they were just going to be tag team like mid carders for the rest of their career in WWE. But that betrayal 
pushed them both into the main event itself and made them seen as event stars, main event stars. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it definitely did. I know they main evented first thing with Chicago, but I think... But as a tag was, team, it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just for the shock ending. Otherwise, it would have been... I think it would have been Bobby Roode versus Hideo Itami. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's a good match. Do not mark. Like, yeah, that be, was a good match. That you'd was be surprised good how really, really good it is. No, no. When, it's when, when, when you say Hideo Itami, I just think, shit, Kenta. Uh, Kenta had, I mean, sorry, Hideo Itami had some really good matches at NXT. It's just a shame that he was pretty much injury prone. Yeah, well, he Nakamura'd it once he got on the main roster. Too. Yeah, I mean his match with Bobby Roode is probably his best match. Now, and so. his match with Alistair Black. If you haven't yeah. seen that, go and check that out. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that was good. Oh, if you like a Bobby Roode match, you like his match with Kota Ibushi. <laughs> Bobby Roode versus Kota Ibushi. Yep, it was Ibushi's only appearance on NXT. Interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, was that when he was doing the um, sure. Cruiserweight no. Classic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, anyway, none of this is relevant to the listener. Yeah, but, um, we're getting sidetracked a bit now. Yeah, but Gargano versus Champa, undoubtedly one of the best rivalries in recent memory and well-deserved spot on this list. Let's move on to number seven, shall we? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. <laughs> That's okay. Number seven. Adam Cole versus EC3 versus Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan versus Ricochet versus the Velveteen Dream in a six-man ladder match for the NXT North American Championship. NXT yeah. TakeOver New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, United States on the 8th of April, 2018. Six men, two NXT debutants, one brand new NXT championship and many, many ladders. Stories are not really necessary for ladder matches. Only chaos is required. And what these six men did not only rivaled, but arguably exceeded the violent mastery of the Dudley boys, the Hardy boys, and Edge and Christian in their TLC days. It was so great, even Dave Meltzer awarded this five stars, the first ladder match in history to be given the acclaim. The leader of the Undisputed Era would eventually triumph, becoming the first North American champion but not without the other five men having their chance to shine too. Oh, and Mauro Ranallo was so good on commentary during this match, WWE decided to release a commentary camera footage. That's how shocking and brilliant and violent this match was. Who else loves this ladder match? I can't believe I forgot to put it in my list. I loved it, but I'm surprised it made the top ten. Yeah, it, it wasn't in my list either, but... Um... There's such a diverse rare matches, but both Jason and Chris ranked in the top five matches of uh, of the decade. Um, but undoubtedly, I'm going to I'm going to put my cards on the table here and say this is the best ladder match in the history of professional wrestling, better than any of those TLC matches, as innovative as they were at the time. This ladder match. Is incredible. It shows everyone off. It made new stars out of Ricochet and EC3. EC3, not known for his wrestling, was sounding like an absolute champ. Killian Dane and Lars Sullivan looked like absolute brutes. Um, Velveteen Dream, always a star, always gets to show off. And the right man won in Adam Cole. Like, this was 
this was ladder match perfection for me. Uh, yeah, it, I probably wouldn't disagree. And yeah. I, if I remember rightly, they didn't do the like what what made it nice and refreshing was that <laughs> when Adam Cole won the belt, he just climbed the ladder and took it down. There was none of that, like, oh, Slow climbing, oh yeah. how do I climb the ladder? Oh, is it going to hold? I hate <laughs> that stuff. It's like, well, mate, you've just smashed that guy in the head with through, like, five chairs or whatever. Just hop up the ladder. I don't care how tired you are. You're a professional wrestler. Come on. <laughs> wow. I mean, this, I think this ladder match lasted somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. It was absolutely yeah, a long insane. Time. Um, but, yeah. This... Well, a long time for the WWE. Yeah, it was like I mean, half an hour, yeah. Yeah, NXT takeovers. I mean, they, they give the wrestlers time to develop the stories in the ring, and they really needed to show off six men here. I, I've always felt that as good as NXT takeovers are, when it comes to like multi man matches, um, I've never felt that they fully delivered. And this was the first one. Mm, apart from war games, I take that back. Apart yeah, from the I was first about war... to say. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah was... that first war games match was incredible. But this this was next level brutality. Um, yeah, I can't really sing higher praises than that. And it made me regret not going to that year's WrestleMania just for this ladder match alone. It's funny that you should mention war games because I thought that was what this was going to be when you were introing it, and you mentioned Killian Dane, or as I and any Brit rest person will will know him as Big Demo. I will not call him Killian Dane. He will always be Big Demo to me. Um, uh, yeah. So I thought you this was going to be war games, but it wasn't. I was quite surprised about that. Yeah. I will say I will say this: every single participant play, played a. Pulled their weight in this match. Everyone had like a great spot. I remember even being impressed with Lars Sullivan in a ladder match. You know, you think, oh, he's just going to be the big guy that doesn't really do anything. But like, well, he was really awesome. That was the first time and probably the only time I've ever been impressed with a Lars Sullivan match myself. But I thought it was great because they mixed heavy wrestlers with high flyers in this ladder match. And I thought, Wow, that's not that's a really great mix that they had right there, and a great pool of NXT talent who will come up in the future. Yeah, it was uh, a really good balance of um, kind of big brawler type guys and people like Ricochet. Uh, wasn't this like the first? Was this the first takeover that Ricochet was on? Yes, it's definitely it, the yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day day yeah. yeah. This was the first uh, NXT matches for Ricochet and EC3, if you exclude all that Derek Bateman stuff. Um, so, yeah, this is their first matches on oh, NXT television. Oh, so actually, Ricochet hadn't had any matches before. No, no, they, they, no. They wanted to show him off as this. And what uh, a way to show him off. Yeah, yeah it was. Fair. Like the anticipation was high because everyone knows that he's a human highlight reel. He's, as Mara Ronaldo described him, the gift that keeps on giving, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is just the best. I Speaking of Mara Ronaldo, yep. I remember he made a reference about Infinity War in this match, and I'll, I've got it up. He's, I'll, I'll say it right now. He said, uh, This is the NXT version of the Infinity War, but it isn't about six Infinity Stones. It's about six superstars with the stones to go through hell and create history. Bloody love him. Yeah. <laughs> what he, he, oh, he's just he's just the best. Um I mean I 
selfishly, I really want an NXT title match at WrestleMania this year, just so you can call a WrestleMania match. Um, yeah, it was sad he didn't get to do Survivor Series last year. Yeah, yeah. sad. Um, JBL is such a shit, really. But there we go. <clears throat> Corey Grace. Corey uh, Grace is tired. No, oh, sorry. Well, it's they're both shits. So I yeah, do not retract yeah. my statement and instead double down on saying Corey Graves is a shit as well. Mm. Yeah. Hey, JBL, <laughs> anyway. Corey Graves, if you're listening. Sorry, fellas. You're a Sound couple. Of, <laughs> I can't say the word I want to say about you. It's the one word we don't say on this podcast. You can imagine what it is, so that's what I'm calling you. Now you can have that in your head. Farage? Uh, no, I mean, people have called Farage the word I'm thinking of. Is no, it, it begins word? with C. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Ken gets it. Farage? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, shall we move on to number six? Yep. Cool. Number six. Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate for the WWE United Kingdom Championship, NXT TakeOver Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, United States, 20th of May, 2017. The United Kingdom Championship tournament in Blackpool was shrouded with controversy. WWE's entry into the UK market was one that was not welcomed by some fans. However, the actual championship's legacy would be kick-started this night, and at all places, America. Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne. Two boys from the West Midlands having their rematch from the tournament in one of the biggest arenas in the United States, a country that is only known for chanting USA. This night of all nights would change that. For the first time on WWE screens, we would hear the chants of UK. America fell in love with what we already knew over here, and that was British strong style wrestling. Pete Dunne would beat Tyler Bate in a 15-minute classic that was flawless in execution and would kickstart one of the longest title reigns in WWE history, surpassing recent greats like Brock Lesnar and CM Punk. Whether you love or hate NXT UK, this is a night where British wrestling truly became a global sensation in the industry. Would anyone like to lead the discussion? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we thought... were. Wait- I I couldn't tell if you were pausing for effect or if you were like, yeah, waiting for us to talk. Be more clear, Broad. Okay. Me 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 me. All right, <laughs> I'll go first. You go first, Chen. So, uh, where was I when I was watching this match? I was in Hawaii. I, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Thanks for letting us know. That okay. I bet did that affect your opinion of the match at all? <laughs> yes, it did. Because even though I was in a tropical island, I really wanted to watch this takeover, and I really wanted to watch it for specifically for this match. Really? Yeah. Because really? one, I've you know I've seen Pete Dunne on Rev Pro, oh, and okay. I was start he you know he was like when it came to British wrestlers. He was the one I had my eye on, pretty much, when I got introduced to British wrestling. So, to see how, I also wanted to see how the USA audience, you know, how they warm up to this type of match. Like, would they start, would this be their toilet break, or would they sit down and watch it? And obviously, like, what they got was, they didn't know what the story for this um, whole match was. But they got an entertaining match. I thought that was the match of the night. Like, I I was just thinking, like, wow, these two have a big future ahead of them in the WWE if the crowd is, the way the crowd is chanting. And I was like, Pete Dunne is going to be one hell of a heel in this match. 
and not in this match in this company as well uh, yeah, I think more people were, were following the build to this than you you may maybe thought because it's the UK match on a US show. Because this was before the NXT UK brand had started, so they didn't have weekly TV, which meant all of Pete Dunne's appearances for the WWE had either been in the United Kingdom tournament, which I think did pretty well, or on NXT TV. Isn't that right? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I think WCPW were around at the time, and it whilst it wasn't massive like it did have like quite a significant audience uh, mainly because what culture wrestling was a huge hit on youtube uh, yeah indeed uh, but- like it was a reason why many fans got back in back into wrestling surprisingly me uh, i'm one of those people yeah adam blampier and all that were great i mean i, I do like coldaholic but uh, kind of miss the what culture days uh but yeah they did some great content but that got a lot of people back into uk wrestling and it did feature guys like pete dunn on it um yeah so... in fact the first indie show i went to uh was wcpw in altrincham true destiny uh the main event was kurt angle versus cody Rhodes. so that's destiny i was at that event didn't uh, they have a, like, that... a theme tune like destiny or something yeah like this is my destiny great. Ah, it was yeah <laughs> gloriously cheesy but yeah that event had um hilariously both men from this match in it it had uh what uh tyler bait not volta what am i talking about it had tyler bait in a tag team with trent seven against some lads whose names i can't remember one of them looked like uh, a smaller man who had had kind of eaten his way out of the chest of a larger man uh, but i can't remember what his name is he's like a square boy and then i saw uh, pete dunn versus some jobber i can't remember who Oh. And, you know, Pete Dunne was obviously a star, and this match was him showing the world that he is a top lad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I didn't really give to... I'm, I don't like tournaments, so I didn't watch the UK Championship tournament to my show. I just watched the final. That's all I did. I, yeah, I, I actually didn't watch it either. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't really care. So for me, I didn't care about this match at all coming in i i had no particular investment in it this was like it'll be like a throwaway exhibition match uh that that's gonna be good but it's not gonna be like outstanding and i i was surprised like it was just some of the most like i i mean i never cared much for the british indie scene up until that point either so i think majority of the fans didn't care about the uk title as well nxt title yeah, and I think this changed the complete game of both that championship, and I think it elevated British wrestling to an even higher standard. Ah, um, uh, see, uh, for me, the tournament and this match and the WWE Championship when they started out were like a sign of something great, and over time, they became for me a signal that the good times are over, uh, and all of the indie feds that you remember and in fact one that we mentioned wcpw defiant shutting down in the last 12 months uh that should probably be a fairly big indicator that nxt uk is succeeding in what it was supposed to do which is kill the british indie scene and make it so that the wwe is the only game in town these are the words of sam i have no yeah. problem with wwe and their I, business i want to join the empire shut up sam <laughs> <laughs> Man, progress could have been so good, and now it's just not. Pro- progress is good. I, d- I disagree. Like, I'm, I'm, Sam, you know, if you're going to blame anyone, blame the wrestlers. 
Like, Rev Pro, Rev Pro succeeds without WWE talent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess. Like, at the end of the day, it's business. And it's up to I mean, the I understand all these know? things. Uh, and, yeah, obviously, it's everyone's dream to work for the WWE and all this stuff. But, like, I don't know. Progress at Wembley was, like, that's as big as that company is, will ever get now. Whereas it, if if they'd kept going at the momentum that they had, then who knows what we could have on our, what we could have had on our televisions. Something that yeah. was really ours and not, like, kind of a watered-down WWE version of what Progress was. I think many people in this country that, are familiar with wrestling imagine either stone cold stone cold and the rock or um you know oh god world of sport i, I was trying to think of the title um and and remember the good old that's days it. of that and that's like pg hogan-esque type wrestling that we don't want to see as fans and I don't think the great British public care too much for so it because it's so far long ago so you know is would progress be in the answer in the long run I don't think so I don't know it, it's it's too hard to say what and some of these companies they're not fight they're not they don't run financially well yeah I could say as well like for instance ECW is great but Paul Heyman is a bad business guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, Paul Heyman just shat money away. Yeah. Um, so... so I think we're getting sidetracked here. And anyway, yeah. because uh, and of you. Okay. Like, yeah, it was my fault. But I'm I'm bringing it back on track now. And I was going to say, perhaps this is maybe a future episode for us to to have a like a longer form discussion about UK yeah. Indies or the state of the UK Indies. But um, I, I think yeah. you're right to bring it up, Sam, though, because it is a, like, you know, this was a momentous match for uk wrestling uh to be featured on a top american show oh absolutely the, the impact of that and you know me and, and jen are the side of positivity you're on the side of actually i think it's been destructive for the uk scene and i don't think both are i, I don't i don't think either one of those opinions is actually invalid no i i, I actually agree um with that kind of us uh what's the right word uh, summing up of of our positions yeah. um uh, what i would say is at the time i was super excited for this match and the uk championship but that was because triple h had come out in the press and made those statements being like we don't want to interfere with the uk scene and all the people you want to see you'll still be able to see uh and then it, it wasn't for like another year that they came out with the exclusive contracts and stuff like that yeah yeah i mean uh, uh... Can't it's just business, um, It's just business. But they I didn't even this, let Joseph Connors go back and drop the belt properly on WCPW it's television. It's just business, um, It's just business. But uh, anyways, I just want to say, I just want to say, like, after this match, you see Pete Dunne feature a lot more in NXT. Like, yeah. he's, you know, NXT is the main show of all the NXTs they're going to create in the future. And you do see Pete Dunne always featured more now. And I, it makes me happy to see that he might get a big push if he gets into the main roster. But he's featured heavily on NXT right now. He's like the only UK guy that ever has been, really, isn't he? Yeah, but... Uh... I mean, isn't Tony Storm? No. Yeah, Tony Storm's moving up. I know they're, I know they're Australian, but they're massive parts of the UK scene. Um, Rhea Ripley, the first... I know she wasn't, but she's... Uh... You know, she's now the NXT Women's Champion, and she was part of that NXT UK lot. Um, and Walter, they had the Walter match. Walter yeah, 
Volta's featured, Tyler Bate is featured. I mean, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven are former NXT Tag Team Champions. Yeah. Um, so, so that's... I mean, yeah. Like, that match opened the doors to more eyes about the talent in NXT UK, in my opinion. So yeah. they went from Wembley Stadium to developmental for development. Wembley Arena. Oh, right. sorry. Yes, Wembley Arena. Sorry. No, it is important to be clear because yeah, sometimes very, you have to take Sam, Sam, Sam. Sometimes you have to take one step back to move two steps forward. Remember that. All right. For your own career. Okay, Mister Miyagi. Well, I mean, we don't really know what's there at the performance center, so you know, like the benefits of it. So, excuse me. I um, I've seen pictures. They got a rings. They got elliptical trainers. I've seen that. Charlotte Flair comes there sometimes. Woo! Tim Baller, he goes there and he says, how's it going? And then he leaves. That was my Irish accent. It wasn't good, but I had to go. Yeah. Tim Baller was on NXT UK uh, takeover, yeah? Just yeah, the one in, the first one in Blackpool. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we get yeah. As we get sidetracked, let's not distract from the fact that this was an absolutely great match. And yes, shall we yes, just yes. move on to number five? Don't Something... let my cynicism ruin uh, your potential for watching this match. Go and watch it anyway. It's still great. Sam, maybe you should have watched this in Hawaii like I did. You might maybe I should have watched experience. it in Hawaii. Then I would have been full of hope for the British scene. Yeah. <laughs> in America. Uh, just like the match. All right. <laughs> Number five. Number five. The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels in a career versus streak match. WWE WrestleMania 26 in Glendale, Arizona, the United States. At 28th of March, 2010. In the past 10 years, there has been much debate about which Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels WrestleMania encounter was better. WrestleMania 25 or 26. But whatever the argument, there is no doubt in the greatness of the match. However, there is also no doubt that this match had the better story. It was about the greatest legacy in the history of professional wrestling, the streak. And it was also about one of the greatest careers in the history of professional wrestling, the guy known as Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels. And one was going to come to an end. In this match, we witnessed multiple submissions, spots, signatures, and finishes. But unfortunately for the heartbreak kid, after one last defiant slap, Undertaker hits him with the third tombstone pile driver of the match, and the streak lived on. Shawn's career did not. For a career that was supposed to end in the late 90s, we were all blessed with an extra decade of extraordinary performances from Mr. Michaels, from his unsanctioned match in 2002 with Triple H, up until this very last match with The Undertaker. We're not counting Saudi Arabia, of course, guys. So what do we all make of Shawn Michaels' retirement match? I just want to say, well done, Brod, the way you just explained and introduced this match. Mm -hmm. Um... I will say this. In my opinion, their first match was the better match yeah. because the second match obviously is predictable, the result-wise. But I will say you're right. The storytelling for this match, it was it was a year storytelling for this match to ha- for this rematch to happen. Like, um, if I remember correctly, at the time, Shawn Michaels, um, he... I remember it was an elimination chamber match and everything, and, like... He appeared from the bottom, super kicked whoever, and let Jericho, uh, Undertaker to let Jericho yeah. win the title off him, and like how he was just going, uh, having a whole year obsessed with the Undertaker, basically. Yeah, so I remember this is the 
It's not like the Slammy Awards, if I remember, because he got Match of the Year, right? Yeah, Match of the Year, and he lost. So that and was like he December said, 2009. Yeah, um, and then he said, then he said, um, our Undertaker, let's have one more, whatever, isn't it? Yeah, and Undertaker said no. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't remember much in terms of the build, maybe because I was zoning out of my at this point. Um. But, yeah, you're right. I believe it started the Slammy Awards and then Shawn Michaels, because he was turned down, he thought it's only a way to get into a match, a rematch for The Undertaker at WrestleMania would to win the Royal Rumble because Undertaker was World Heavyweight Champion at the time. And then, obviously, Shawn Michaels gets eliminated. And he's snapping, we'll, yeah. And then that brings us to the Elimination Chamber where Shawn comes out of the great super kicks Undertaker and Jericho would win the World Heavyweight title, thus prompted Undertaker to challenge him for a match, which uh, would ultimately cost Sean's career. I think it was a brilliantly told story. I will say this, though, Chen, I agree with you. WrestleMania 25 was the better of the two matches in terms of a technical sense. But my God, I, I, and you're also right to touch about the predictability as well. But yeah, I just remember at home watching this, I was just thinking, it's inevitable, just like Thanos. It's inevitable that The Undertaker yeah. will win. But my God, I, I really, really wanted Sean to win that match. I was like, he was one of my favorite wrestlers. And uh, not to see him wrestle in his entire career was just, oh, for me, it's still gut punching. And, um, yeah. I just want to point out what you said that how he came back from a back injury after being like mm. four four years away and then having like a wrestling for almost another decade. Yeah. And still being pretty much in a way you could say still the same Shawn Michaels when he came back for a second run. Yeah. I think it, I mean, I didn't know until later on when I first started watching that he was out of action for four years. I, yeah. I didn't know any of that. And, um, yeah, and to come back it, and be and probably put on the best matches of his career. It's not like yeah, it, you know, it's not like where Triple H returned from his quad injury and he you know reined it in a tiny bit he, because he wasn't the same guy in the Attitude Era, or you know when other athletes have to rein it in because they, they can't do the same things or else they damage their body further. Sean, he could go like no one else. Like in these two matches, the Undertaker to the rivalry of Triple H uh, and his DX matches. Um, the guy He won the first ever incredible. Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, yeah. I know this is like a Shawn Michaels career retrospect in some ways, but yeah, I mean, terrific, terrific match to sum up a terrific career. What about you, Sam? What, what do you feel about this match? Uh, um, <laughs> so... Uh, people have talked about it in lists and things, and it sounds great. But um, I took a big break from watching wrestling from about 2001 to about 2015. Mm-hmm. So all of my matches in this list are all from the second half of the decade. So is that your roundabout way of saying you haven't seen? I haven't seen this match. No, it's I've just heard, I've heard people talking about it. Hold I'm... up! Hold up! Hold um... up! You said you came back to wrestling. You hear people talk about this match. Did you never occur to you to go and actually check it out? 
mate, there's like 15 years of wrestling. Yeah, but between... if multiple people you said have this on their list as one of their favorite matches, then you should be like, oh, maybe I should check this out. Everyone keeps going on about it. Nah. Uh, to, to be fair, I will I will say this. Um, we were having a conversation last night, uh, me, us three, and just a few other members of the pod. And, like, Mike just said, so you haven't seen, like, Brett versus Sean from WrestleMania 13? And I'm like, no. It's like, why? I just don't care for history. So I kind of get that. And, but at the same time, I should really watch that match. So I'll, I'll make a pact with you, uh, Sam. I'll go watch that WrestleMania 13 match between Bret Hart and Steve Austin if you go watch this match 13 years on, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Because okay. it is Shawn Michaels' retirement match. Remember that. Yeah, we're not counting Saudi Arabia. That never happened. Okay. I was going to say, it, it, Saudi Arabia is not... It's like uh, alternative universe wrestling. It's like everyone's got a moustache and talks with a funny accent. Yeah, and pretty much. That's the flashpoint. That's the flashpoint. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll agree to that pact, to going back and, and watching this match. Can you remember who was on commentary? Who have I got put up with? Oh, I was Jim Ross. Yeah. yeah, it was Jim Ross. It was definitely Jim Ross because Undertaker requested. I think Undertaker oh, yeah, was requested I think it, it Jim was Ross Jim Ross, this time. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if it was... Uh, it was. I'm pretty sure it might be Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Ooh, good and bad. <laughs> uh, Jerry's good what he wants to be. Um, it's a serious match. Uh, but yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it was a request because it, at the time it was Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler in commentary for Raw, but I'm pretty sure it was Jim Ross. And Sam, we're on the road to WrestleMania, so it's a perfect time to catch up with these great WrestleMania matches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. let's all the go around to Mike's and watch every single WrestleMania with him. <laughs> we'll go and point at some signs. Yeah, yeah. Aww. I mean, I'm not entitled to point the sign this year because I'm not going. Um, uh, yeah, I've just looked it up on Wikipedia. Places. It is Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, and Jim Ross. So I, I reckon I could just about put up with that. Oh my days! It doesn't matter. Like this is like one <laughs> just of the... watch the bloody match. <laughs> yeah, it's a okay. great match. It's it's Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. It's 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 one of Undertaker's last great matches. It's Shawn Michaels' last great match. Just. Do me the favor, pal. Like I'm oh, not mate. asking what I'm not asking if it's Vince McMahon on commentary for Brett and Sean. I hope it is. I'm playing. Do me Vince, a favor. But... Give me a favor. <laughs> watch the first. No, no, no. Hold up. Hold up. Watch the first, first yeah. match. I watch the second as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think. I think. Like out of context, you might prefer 25. Like I absolutely adore 25. Uh, that's my. That I mean, right. that's my top ten. But that happened in two thousand and nine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can't. Fun count fact for you, Mike put that in his top ten originally, the and I was like, idiot. the dumb idiot, the stupid. Uh, it, idiot. He, I think he put this match in as well, but I was like, Mike, that's in two thousand nine. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I so, might watch this whole show, WrestleMania twenty five. I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. Kid ooh. Rock performed a live medley of the songs Barwit Dubba, Rock and Roll Jesus, Cowboy, All Summer Long, and So Hot. Fucking hell, lads! It was it was ten That's minutes. That's a draw, in it. That was that was horrible. Literally, only watched Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. The rest was a bit. Actually, no. Oh, yeah. Steam, Steamboat's appearance was amazing. Uh, Who made invented I, that WrestleMania? I, Triple H and Randy Orton. Oh boy! Oh, yeah, I like the, uh, uh, the, the sound that, of this that, women's that, battle royale as well. Whoa. I mean, that was peak Randy Orton. It was also not a great yeah, match. Yeah, but but that's an example of 
sometimes the title shouldn't main event, you know. Yeah, that, I, I'm just sure Michael should have main evented. It was, yeah, but, great, I don't think, uh, but they had no story for that match either. Yeah, yeah. true, but. But anyways, Sam, watch the bloody match. Yeah. Okay. If Undertaker Shawn Michaels is a great a twenty five is the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, then I'm going to say this is the second greatest ma- WrestleMania match of all time. Okay. That, that that's how that's how I even how I even it. better than Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton from whenever oh, that was I, with actually, the big no, sperm snake. Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Bray Wyatt uh, having control of look, the projectors. That, anyway, right, we're right now this is sacrilege. This is sacrilege. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I shouldn't be mentioning that match on this show. Yeah, I mean, me and Chad could have just talked for five minutes extra about the beauty of this match, but you kind of ruined it. So thanks, Sam. Thank sorry. you. Sorry, you invited me to speak. <laughs> I thought you'd seen the match. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everyone. Like one match from that. Uh, oh my. Oh, please tell me. Oh no. I'm not. I just, I'm I just not. thought what's coming up. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay, right. This is more up your alley. Number four. Number four. Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 11, Tokyo, Japan, 4th of January 2017. If Styles versus Nakamura first got American eyes interested in Japan's top promotion, this match secured a new and eager fan base. This was a match that redefined what wrestling could be, and this was a match to get then un- near unprecedented six stars. It was 46 minutes and 45 seconds of pure wrestling perfection. One year after Omega became the new leader of Bullet Club and declaring himself as a heavyweight, he found himself main eventing the promotion's biggest show of the year, and this was after shocking the world by defeating Tetsuya Naito in the finals of the G1 Climax in 2016. Unfortunately for Omega, he would be facing Okada during a historic title reign that would also redefine the legacy of the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. The two men put on a clinic, with only one move not hit in the entire match. Omega's one-winged angel. A move that nobody has kicked out of, but a move too elaborate to set up. It took a second rainmaker in order for Okada to retain the championship that evening. Afterwards, Omega called him the best wrestler in the world, but for Omega, he would soon become the best bout machine. Guys, what do you think of the first Okada versus Omega match? I know we did a bit of a deep dive, but let's talk about this Wrestle Kingdom 11 match. Sam, let's start with you because this was uh, this is obviously in your list, and this was number one on my list. Yeah, yeah, this was number one. Um, why why was it your number one? Because, quite simply, it is probably the most perfect wrestling match I've ever seen. Uh, it has everything. Uh, surprise spots. It goes for ages. It had a, an incredible kind of storyline build with Kenny's rise from the junior division and the ranks of Bullet Club into being the leader of Bullet Club and the, the company's kind of top gaijin heavyweight. Gaijin means foreigner in Japanese for people who do not know. Um, and then in the match itself had all kinds of banana spots. At one point, Okada gets a table out, which is like completely out of the ordinary for him. And it, it really sold how badly he wanted to win the match but on top of that how seriously he was taking Kenny as a a potential competitor or even a threat 
to his title. Um, and then the fact that Kenny kicked out of one of the Rainmakers, I believe that is a big deal as well, because in New Japan, people don't usually kick out of each other's finishes. Um, so it, it kind of, this match put New Japan on the map really in in the west i feel like in a lot of people's eyes as well it was the first really really high profile match that kenny omega had had he obviously knew it and he came out you know going gangbusters in this and really delivered on the day as he usually does yeah so for me like um i knew about new japan at this point because of the styles nakamura match uh, and i thought that was phenomenal but this like completely blew my mind of what wrestling could be i i didn't know really i mean i barely knew who okada was i barely knew who kenny omega was at this point i only really focused on professional wrestling like more intensely probably after this match to be honest um and i and i would say thanks to just because the stuff in this match is incredible. Um, yeah, I didn't put this on the list. You'll know why in a bit. Uh, spoiler alert. But yeah, this is a phenomenal match. I only really wanted to put one match of this trilogy on just so I can get other wrestlers on board, as I said earlier. But undoubtedly, um, yeah, yeah, this deserves to be in the top 10 for, for sure. And I can't think, I, I can't, I can't say any higher words um chan what about yeah, you no, indeed so just a bit of background i got back into wrestling at 2012 um yeah. when did this match happen again 2000 2017 yeah so 2017 beginning like four months before 2000 before this match i i attended a a WWL event called Belushi's and that's where people will talk you know you meet like-minded people if you guys haven't mm. been please come down it's at London we'll be hosting the Royal Rumble this month yep um, Belushi's London Bridge uh on the Monday after the Royal Rumble uh you can find it on meetup.com just type in WWL or watch wrestling.london watch wrestling.london watch wrestling.london that's the domain name go there watch wrestling.london cool so what I like about this is like you meet other wrestling fans and we, we just trade about what's our favorite wrestling matches that we should watch and everything. Hence, people told Sam to watch HBK versus Undertaker 2. He hasn't got onto it, but you get it. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Now, I remember at, when I was at this Royal Rumble for 2017, uh, people kept going on about Kenny Omega and... Um, Okada, and I was like, who are these people? New Japan, I've never actually heard of this promotion or watched anything about it. Wait, who's Dave Meltzer? What is the six stars rating or whatever? Mm. And people kept going on and on about it. And then after the Royal Rumble, like the following day, people comparing Okada versus Omega to AJ Styles versus Cena. Mm. As, and because what was more important, what was so out, um, interesting about... The Okada, people talking about Okada and Omega, it was January and people were saying it was already match of the year. So I was like, whoa, how amazing is this match? So I went home, I checked it out. I don't know any of these wrestlers' names or what they stand for, but my mind was blown. I was like, wow, this is this is what wrestling has come to now. It is amazing. Fast paced, athletic, the psychology telling. I was like, who is this kid? Now I get why people are going on about 
how amazing this match is. Oh, New Japan, let me check out more of the talents they have. Like, it opened... It opened my eyes about the wrestling world outside WWE. Um, it also made me interested in checking out other talents outside of WWE. And not only that, it made me a fan of a new promotion. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just thought of a really rubbish analogy, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, it, you know, watching what WWE is, like main roster typically, not all the time, but it's like watching a Jackie Chan film or you know it's, it's disposable action friendly action and, and it's good fun and then you watch the raid and for me the card of us the omega was like the raid it's like just action-packed action-heavy like incredible shit that i've never seen before in that sort of film and that sort of action film and it's just it, for me watching this match was next level like i thought styles versus nakamura was mind-blowing and then I watched this match, and then I was like, "Wow, I'm I'm wholly invested into a new promotion." Um, yeah, and trying I to just, catch as, trying to catch whatever I can. Exactly, I think that was the that was the turning point in me watching wrestling, where I said, "I don't need to watch know the story about why these two are fighting or whatever. I can <laughs> enjoy re- wrestling as a wrestling. I can enjoy more of the psychology of wrestling. I don't need to know." Uh, who's the heel, who's the face. I can just watch wrestling. It it just made me watch wrestling in a whole new perspective. Put it this way. Hmm, that's interesting. Sam, you mentioned the story earlier. Um, what was the yes. story, Bill, going in, like, into it? Because, you know, me and Chen, essentially New Japan versions at that point. You, you know, I mean, I more, would, I the more experienced was... person. <laughs> well, yeah, you, okay. You're more experienced uh, than us two at that point. Yes. I mean, yeah, I, I hadn't, this was really what made me start following New Japan really, really closely, I think, um, was was this match. As I think it was basically the beginning of New Japan's expansion into the West. Um, but the storyline build, I believe, was, I can't remember why uh, they ended up having the match. Like what? Um... Omega won the G1. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was a G1 victory. I couldn't remember. Because that yeah. G1 was his breakout G1 as the top leader of Bullet Club. Yeah, so um, basically, yeah, no. He became, because I watched some docs on the Bullet Club. If you ever go onto New Japan's Pro Wrestling's English channel, watch the recount. It yeah, gives you really basically good. great insight into some of the greatest matches and uh, storylines in New Japan history. But yeah, so Omega... Became leader of the new Bullet Club, kicking out AJ Styles at New Year's Dash in 2016. And then, you know, he also declared himself a heavyweight. And a few months later, he got a shock victory over Tetsuya Naito in the G1 Climax final that year. And uh, yeah, thus set up him versus Okada. Um, So, Sam, this was your number one pick? Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 it was was the same with me. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. Um, so I was just going to say, yeah, it was the, the in the storyline build, he dropped the junior title the night before at Wrestle Kingdom 10. So to go from like mid-card dropping the junior heavyweight title to main eventing the heavyweight division in a year is uh, surprising yeah. that New Japan didn't get more behind Kenny Omega, to be honest. But I think it's because that's when AJ Styles left, right? Yeah. When he, the day, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I just I want to know. say that Okada match is the 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 that match as well. Like 
it just didn't open my eyes to New Japan, but it also made me start watching ROH a bit, TNA. It introduced me, obviously, to the Bullet Club. And I could say, like, since then, I've been following the Bullet Club. And just mm. to see the the growth of Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, what they've gone to achieve now. It's like I was on a personal journey with them, especially. Yeah, I think, like, the Bullet Club has really elevated a lot of um, Western uh, people um, in particular uh, to new audiences. And I yeah. think it's like cool merchandise. Like the NWA. Cool yeah. promos. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, people wear Bullet Club t-shirts and they know what it is and they don't really think about it. Um, but, yeah, you had guys... <clears throat> and, the, and the success was really after it. It does. Um, you know, you had Kenny Omega, you had Cody, you had Adam Cole, uh, the Young Bucks, as you mentioned. Um to even guys like Marty Skull, they're making more money. Hangman Page, yeah. Hangman Page, yeah. That's another. Like, it's a who's who of professional wrestling outside of WWE. Um, so yeah, and Omega was a pinnacle of Bullet Club. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, their, their biggest era. They were making noises before that, I think, but it was this match and this era of Bullet Club that really made them go stratospheric. And yeah. also having a cool as fuck T-shirt, like. That was uh, the biggest one. Whichever yeah. graphic designer designed that first Bone Soldier T-shirt should yeah. win some kind of award, some kind of wrestling award, because yeah. that made that stable. The original Bullet Club T-shirt, by the way, is a bit boring. It's not bad, but it's a bit boring by comparison. Oh, is I, it? It's, it yeah, I didn't realise they had one before the, um, yeah, no, the Bone I, Soldier one. It's on the Rev Pro store, I believe. I'm not sure if it's still there, but yeah. Um, but the Bone Soldier is actually his second and um second theme of sorts um that came in when styles was leader anyway that's a little offshoot about okada uh sorry uh, about bullet club anything else about okada versus omega before we move on uh, no i'm happy to move on i think we, yeah, still, i mean uh, we talked about it quite a lot is the third match in this list i know that's a spoiler or should we wait i just wanted to shout it out as being another great match if we've if we're not going to talk about it later it might be in the honorable mentions we mentioned after. okay cool okay so um oh i just want to say before we move that's the first seeing okada for the first time in that match i was like i've never seen a beautiful drop kick in my life oh yeah yeah Yeah, that is the best spinning tombstone as well it's like what the fuck like uh, i was like that guy's better than Undertaker. <laughs> and I love the Undertaker. Uh, I'll never say that to his face, though. Um, anyway, shall we move on to number three? Yeah. Yes. Number three. Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega in a two out of three. <laughs> Don't fucking ruin it! I have to re-record this now. <laughs> go again, go again. Number three. Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega in a two out of three the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at New Japan Dominion, 9th of June, Osaka, Japan, 9th of June, 2018. This was the fourth and final battle between these two titans of the industry. One win each, one draw two. Omega beat an exhausted Okada in the G1 Climax in 2017, which eventually led to this title match exactly 363 days from the six and a quarter star classic from the previous year's Dominion show. No time limits, two out of three falls, and one definitive winner. 
The match went nearly 70 minutes. Okada got the first pin within 29 minutes. Omega got the second after 50 minutes. But 17 minutes later, Omega finally accomplished his goal to win the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and cement his legacy in not just Japanese wrestling, but world wrestling. No words could really describe the action in these short paragraphs, and this is why no attempt has been made from myself. But the difference between matches one and two and the fourth was quite simple. The one-winged angel. Sam, New Japan expert, let's go. Oi, this one... Uh, it was a good match. This was another one where I had... A good match? Uh, it was... Well, okay. <laughs> it was an incredible match. It was the third best match of the decade. Um, I actually didn't have it in... I had it fourth, which is still pretty pretty high. Um, yeah, I actually... The thing that stuck out for me in my memory about this match the most was at the time uh, I had my little cousin. I say little. He's like 20. Uh, but he was staying with me in London. And I woke up before him because we'd been out the night before and I put this match on. Or I put this whole show on and he came in and watched this match with me and then said, was that professional wrestling? And I said, yes. And he said, is it all that good? And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but no. this was another one I had spoiled for me. And still, I can remember... Um, yeah, like seeing the second fall go down and thinking, man, I'm sure Kenny was winning this. Yeah. Me yeah. and two me and two friends watched this match. And boy, um we were on the edge of our seats and uh, we didn't know. We didn't know who would win. I mean, it was fairly obvious and I think that's it, that if you really think about it, that Kenny Omega would actually win this because there's still no mention of any real mention of all elite wrestling at this time and you know what his deal with new japan would eventually be but even so like it was one apiece okada held the championship for a record amount of time like over 20 title defenses i think which is unprecedented so eventually omega had to win he was the guy that new japan wanted to help with the american expansion uh so inevitably he was going to win the iwgb world heavyweight championship but that aside you you're still on tender hooks i think the key to professional wrestling is to suspend disbelief um even in the most predictable of outcomes to suspend disbelief like that is just an amazing accomplishment powerful yeah yeah indeed yeah, I mean, it, 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 even going into it, people were kind of saying, like, it has to be Kenny, right? It has to be Kenny now. What's the point in keeping the belt on Okada? But people were still, everyone was still saying, nah, they're going to hold it till the dome. He's going to beat Kenny now, and then that'll be that. Um, so, yeah, for Kenny to, to win the title here was definitely an extremely big deal, and I was very happy about it at the time. Yeah. What do you think about this match, Chen? Uh, where, where would you rate it out of the... I know your Wrestle Kingdom 11 was your top pick out of the three matches. Where where, where would you rate this? This will be... This will be... Count G1 match, by the way. This will be the third one. Really? Why is yeah. that? Yeah. Because, like you said, predictability. And unfortunately... Well, not f unfortunately, but I'm one of those people who, who 
listens to backstage news and everything. So I was hearing all this talks about Kenny Omega's contract, uh, the plans for New Japan to expand in the US and in just in Western markets in general. And it was like, and I remember thinking before I even watched this match, so I didn't avoid spoilers, but I was thinking if Kenny loses here, I think it would, it will piss. It will, it will ruin him, his stock wise and everything. Like now is the perfect time, perfect time to capitalize on him. Mm, mm. Like, like, and Okada, Okada has done everything at this point. Like, um, obviously, I didn't watch New Japan Wrestling. Um, I only started watching it for like a couple of months. But when I was watching, like you said, you can go in New Japan's YouTube channel. They got great history, but each rest a lot of wrestlers. You hear about what Okada has done since he came from TNA. I was like, yeah, he needs to lose the title and start a fresh story as well. And what a story that was. That was the beginning of Balloons Okada. His, <laughs> his fall from grace. I, yeah. my, one of my favorite Okada in, incarnations. Yeah, but it was. It, I, think, I think we all agree that was the right time as well. Because I think... If Kenny had won it at Wrestle Kingdom, it it would have been too early. And you wouldn't have these greats. It wouldn't have put Okada on the map either. Like you could show like, oh, it's just not lightning in a bottle. These guys have great chemistry. And these two, these two wrestlers are the best two wrestlers in the world right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, like, you know, maybe they were testing the borders Wrestle Kingdom, uh, seeing how you know, well, it would respond to a global audience, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the match itself sold, um, sold itself more than anything New Japan did promotion-wise, or whether they had any actual intention to eventually put the world title on Omega. I don't know. But if, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it was um, was it this match when Cody came out with the towel, or was it the second one? Oh, I think it was, no, it was the second one. Yeah, yeah. Because then he had, cause... then he faced, then he faced a Carter in America, right? In yeah, the... yeah. It was yeah, like yeah. the G one special in like California. Yeah, uh, that was um, a card of us Cody for the world championship. But yeah, that that was a match with the towel. Um, and you can also say this was the perfect time because for Kenny to win it, because. This is when the elite were breaking away from Bullet Club as well. The the elite alone were just getting popular and popular in the wrestling world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It led to the whole firing squad storyline in the yeah. um, in yeah. the G one that year. Uh, that G one that year was really good. Lots of exciting stuff happened. I mean, isn't all G ones good though, Sam? Yeah, yeah, true. Yes, yes, but, but that one especially. Chat, but to chat the Western audience, that was particularly. Yeah, yeah, it was. It had, I think, Hangman Page was in there, as well as Kenny Omega, um, Michael Elgin. Cody. Anyone everyone. remember him? Yeah. yeah. I, I think Cody was on the tour, but I don't think he was in the tournament. No, he, he wasn't. But, yeah. Oh, still. the tournament, yeah, yeah, and he wasn't. Yeah. It also had probably the best uh, Tory Yano match of all time in that G1 versus Kenny Omega. Go, go and watch it if you want a break from watching. If you want to watch wrestling, but you don't want to actually watch violence watch omega versus yano from the 2018 g1 anyway that's nothing to do with what we're talking about yeah uh i mean one question i have and this might be the reason why it's not um it's legacy for kenny omega in the iwgp world heavyweight championship it wasn't the best reign to follow up after 
you know, that perfect series of matches. Do you think do you think he was disappointed in world champion Sam? I think unfortunately, I think at that point the the division had started to set in, like Chen said, between the elite and and New Japan as a company. And I refer to the elite as like the brand rather than as the group of people in wrestling kayfabe, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I also think Kenny himself had started to kind of get a bit frustrated with his situation in New Japan because he wanted to sign a multi-year deal with them and they would only give him yearly contracts. He wanted to sign like a five-year deal to to be basically full-time in, in New Japan to, to keep being the cleaner mm. um, and they wouldn't give it to him after... Yeah. Um, AJ Styles. Oh, no, I think New Japan hasn't really trusted foreigners properly since Brock Lesnar stole the heavyweight championship. Also, didn't they have a change <laughs> of ownership at that time as well, New Japan? Yeah, yeah it got bought the... out by Bushi Road. And yeah. also, they just put the title on Kenny. There was a feeling that they just put the title on Kenny so that that way he'll resign a new contract and not go to NXT because they'd lost AJ Styles the previous couple yeah. of months ago, basically. But I mean, a revolutionary way of getting someone to stay in your company is to allow them to have a multi-year contract, which they have repeatedly asked you for. Um, and so I could see why Kenny was probably getting a bit frustrated and maybe not putting his best work in. It's the reason why I didn't have um, the, the match he lost to Tanahashi in my list, even though Meltzer rates it really highly. I, I rate that match highly. I really enjoyed Tanahashi versus Omega. Um, but... You know, I don't watch as much New Japan as you, so you know. Uh, so I, I, I'm probably ignorant of all the great matches that have happened in uh, New Japan, even in the last two years. Um, but I think one thing we can all agree on is this match itself. It was, it was such a sigh of relief when Omega won, and it was a deserved World Heavyweight Championship. Um, it's always great when it feels deserved, even if it's inevitable, uh, which is quite funny with the uh, Thanos entrance that uh, Omega had from like mimicking Infinity War. Oh, I yeah. love that. But yeah, this was terrific, though. Um, the fact that Okada had to use, uh, I think it was like a Bulldog pin to get the first pin, and then Omega hits him with a one-winged angel for the first time round, gets the pin. And then it's just 17 minutes of exhaustion. I th- I remember the spot where they just absolutely collapse with the Rainmaker, both of them, like because yeah. there's absolutely no momentum. And because of the lack of power, Omega can't be covered by the Rainmaker. It's just stuff like that. The evolution of moves. It's not just hitting a move for the sake of, move, of a move, which even the best wrestlers do. It's ones that's just like, we're so tired. We're selling this as tired we're not hitting our moves properly because we're tired we can't execute our moves properly because we're tired and i think you know a lot of matches should really look at that uh, sorry a lot of wrestlers should really look at and study this match properly and say how can we sell better than we yeah. already do and uh, even to the best seller because you know, really, when you think about it, you should be sloppy in the ring towards the end of the match. You shouldn't have like these defined sequences. And no, what I love about pro re- what what I love about um, pro wrestling is the selling. I don't love flippy stuff. Everyone knows that by now. I'm very old school. Like you know, um, I'm all for a bit of character work now and again, but ultimately, you should be selling that it's a fight. You know, and this is a world heavyweight championship fight. So it's a combination of that old school mentality with 
new school ideas. And I think this is what makes it. I mean, I've said this a lot about the matches in this list, and uh, it's just another one where I go, this is absolute wrestling perfection. Yeah, agreed. It, it's, I... a, it's a lesson yeah. to be learned for yeah. any trainee wrestler. Anyone want to add anything else? No, I think we said all we can about this match. Yeah. Or just this trilogy of matches in general. I think I think we could do like a whole episode on this trilogy of matches. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, Sam. Quadrology of matches. Quadro- uh, yeah, for being. We'll sp- say it's like three point two. Yeah, it's, it's three and a half. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the G one climax match is actually pretty good, to be fair. Yeah, it's, it's a really not, good match. It's just yeah. not part of the like big event trilogy. Yeah, it, you know, it's the one where Omega first won. Uh, so yeah. Number two, Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole in a two out of three falls match for the NXT Championship, NXT TakeOver New York, Brooklyn, New York, United States, 5th of April, 2019. NXT TakeOver New York really should be about a story of what could have been. The match was going to be set one last time, Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. And then injury stuck struck champa and one of the greatest stories in wwe history came to an underwhelming conclusion the next man up was a leader of the undisputed era adam cole a story only two weeks in the making what happened is that we should never have doubted nxt what happened was the highest rated match in wwe history five and a half stars according to dave Meltzer. Both men put on a technical clinic, the likes of which we should have always expected from the man known as Wrestling and the only three-time Ring of Honor world champion, Adam Cole. Cole got the first four with the last shot. Gargano got the second with the Gargano escape. And then came the most riveting of conclusions to a two out of three falls match you will probably see. Gargano had to overcome the odds of the undisputed era and capture his own fairy tale ending. Johnny Wrestling would would become the first ever NXT Triple Crown winner. And after two years of storytelling, Johnny Gargano became the face of NXT. So who wants to go first on why this deserves or maybe doesn't deserve to be number two on the list? First of all, Sam. Yes. Have you watched this match yet? We did talk about it last week. Yes, I have watched this match. This is one that I did watch. Mostly I was watching it and I will say now I think a lot of the reason this match is at number two uh, is because I had friends in the crowd and I wanted to see if I could see them on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? Did you? No, unfortunately not. No. No. I was like, every time it cut to the crowd, I was like, oh, oh, can I see them? Nah. We we were in the top tier, Sam. So we were inside where they feel, where they, uh, where they don't film, so there was no chance uh, of us being on camera. Same with Raw yeah, yeah. Uh, after WrestleMania, but um, not not going to lie, biased opinion here. Like I was in the crowd, obviously, um, spoke about it many times. I'm not going to speak about that too much. But this wasn't my number one for the record. Uh, this is number two on my list. But taking that aside, undoubtedly, in my opinion, this match in the history of NXT. Um, I had no, I had no excitement for this match. It was, it was spoiled before the match was going to end. That Adam Cole was going to win the NXT Championship because it was on promotional stuff everywhere. And really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, the fact that Adam Cole replaced Alexa Bliss for the free bit at Access as well, I was like, yeah, he's winning the NXT title. Uh, so I was so confident. This is a fun story. I, I made a bet with my uh, friend, uh, our friend actually, Wes, and um, that Gargano's not going to win, but if Gargano wins, I'll buy an Undisputed Era t-shirt. If Cole wins, I'll get a Johnny Gargano t-shirt. And I thought that was the easiest bet I've ever made. And I fucking lost. (laughs) (laughs) When you say they had Cole and all the promotional material, do you mean like they literally had him on flyers and shit? No, 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 no. It was was more like press releases. But there's there's a couple of press releases I went out for like an NXT tour after saying NXT champion Adam Cole. I was like, oh, okay. This is stuff that WWE should do more often. Unless they change the ending like hours before the show which is also possible i want to believe this was when their pr team smashed it out of the park and put out misinformation about the match purposefully uh, it, leaked fake stuff like adam cole was the overwhelming because i always look at better nods as well i just to spoil thing. and adam cole was the overwhelming and also i i mean i'm like everyone else we wanted gargano versus champa you know the conclusion to that story but i think you know um what was replaced was just absolutely phenomenal and i don't think i i mean it, it was the best you know amendment to a card you'll ever see um it, it was unfortunate but you know both men they, they are they are two of the best wrestlers in the world and that's why <laughs> it, it's just a phenomenal match i've never marked up entire life um yeah i, I i've said a lot uh chen Let's bring you into the conversation here. I mean, we've talked about this match so many times, but <laughs> what else is more to say? I mean, like, at that time, yeah, everyone was gutted that, oh, we weren't going to get Champa versus Gargano mm. and finish, the, finish that st- storyline. But and then Adam Cole stepped in. Yeah, it's like you said, like, two, three weeks before the TakeOver pay-per-view. Yeah, and, yeah, you 17 know, days or something like that. Yeah, like... You know, you had the way you market that is basically Mr. NXT versus the new hottest thing in NXT. And, you know, it was great that these guys could go as long as they can. And obviously, took, oh, you know, it makes sense for Gargano to win. Come on, bro. Promotional flies everywhere. Adam Cole, come on, man. Like, like you know, if Fresh anyone releases. has... I should have really clarified that, but it's press releases. All right. If anyone was going to lose, it was going to be Adam Cole because, you know, he would, even if he had lost, he would have still kept be be seen as a strong person. It was, this loss wasn't going to damage him. But if Gargano lost, then you're just basically saying goodbye to the whole Champa and Gargano story, basically. I think, I think, I think you, I think you make a fair point. Like, I, if it was Gargano versus, Gargano was going to win the championship. So that's why, like, when the press release was there, was like, initially I did a double take. I was like, Adam Cole's the NXT title. Uh, but I was like, guess it's true. Um, but yeah, PR, misdirection. If that was the case, that was a, that was a stroke of genius. But that was yeah. just a personal story. Like, that, that affected my experience. But I tell you what, being in the crowd, oh my God. Uh, one of the best shows ever. One of the best matches ever. I don't, I, I've run out of things to say to be honest. I just watched yeah. this. Amazing. 
it's a very good match. And I, I say that as someone who doesn't really watch NXT either. Going into it with no build at all actually was probably the right way of experiencing this match because from what you guys said, it didn't have a great deal of build anyway. No, because yeah, the... the way it was is like, oh, we're not going to get the conclusion of Champa Gargano. All right, I guess we have to settle for uh, Gargano and Adam Cole. Holy shit, this, this match is bloody amazing. Like, yeah. you know, like but it went from like from one from disappointment to excitement, basically. Oh, yeah, because yeah, this was when we were unsure about whether um, Champa was ever going to be back wrestling, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was that bad of an injury. It's just bad. Yeah, neck injuries. You can't really predict them. Um, and you know, yeah. when Gargano won, it was like his WrestleMania moment, basically. Oh, oh, that, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'll say this about NXT like, every. Well, I wouldn't say every, but at Dallas, New Orleans, less so Orlando, but Dallas, New Orleans, New York. Um, every every time they've gone out there, they've tried to put like a WrestleMania t- caliber card, uh, even for NXT. And yeah, and I think I had the most perfect conclusion as well. Champa, Gargano reuniting as faces, and you know, Candice LeRae is there as well. You know. Only Johnny's wife, obviously. <laughs> of course. Yeah, only, only. N- not not a great wrestler in own right at all. But, um, yeah, that their embrace at the end, you know, signify, just signaled the end of a terrific journey. And I think as good as their other two matches have, have been this year in uh, TakeOver 25 and TakeOver Toronto, uh, this match should have just been a one-off. And I think that's the only criticism I have. And it's not the match itself, it's just the impact of the match, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe wait a while until Adam Cole becomes NXT champion. That I think that's that's the only thing I could really say, to be honest. As good as the rivalry has been, it's just... Has he not one-off. actually been NXT champion? Well, Adam Cole is NXT champion. Yeah, I thought so. Sorry, no, I yeah, yeah. It's just his title shot, basically. Yeah, what, what I mean is, I would have Johnny Gargano lose to someone that that would go to Adam Cole to keep the two apart because the match was so oh, good. Um, that's just personal taste. Like, there's nothing wrong with Gargano Cole. They're both excellent as well. It's just, and it was a great story. I'm probably not sure what I'm complaining about, but I just love this match so much that I kind of wish it was a one-off. Uh, but you know, these two have fantastic chemistry all the way back from Evolve, and you can tell. Uh, does anybody want to say anything more about this match? No, I'm just glad Sam watched it after recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. I always watch the takeover on Mania weekend because it's always better than fucking WrestleMania. Oh mm. I would say it, WrestleMania come 30, on, mate. I would say WrestleMania 33 is more Orlando. Could have a discussion about that another time. I was gonna say this is an, an episode for the future, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode for future. We have many episodes for the future after this. Stick around, uh, listeners. We yeah. got content for days. Yeah, right now it feels like days. Shut up, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm just gonna before we uh, reveal our number one. I'm going to reveal some honourable mentions that came close to making the top ten, but not quite. And these are in alphabetical order, not ranking order, so you can't guess uh, what would have made a top twenty, if you will. AJ Styles versus John Cena at SummerSlam. 16. Bailey versus Sasha Banks in a 30-minute Iron Woman match for the NXT Women's title at NXT Takeover Respect. Bailey versus Sasha Banks at the NXT Women's Championship at NXT Takeover Brooklyn. 
Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair. Triple threat for the Women's Championship at WrestleMania 32. Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins versus John Cena. Triple threat for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at Royal Rumble 2015. Cody versus Dustin Rhodes at AEW Double or Nothing. Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Batista. Triple threat for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 30. Will Ospreay versus Jimmy Havoc from Progress Chapter 75. And Will Ospreay versus Ricochet, New Japan Pro Wrestling Best of the Super Juniors 2016. Uh, I'm just going to say all those matches are worth watching. So let's find out what number one is. Number one CM Punk versus John Cena for the WWE Championship, WWE Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago, Illinois, the United States. 17th of July, 2011. For all the history and technical achievements the other 10 matches have on this list, nothing quite changed the industry quite like CM Punk versus John Cena. For some historical context, Capital Punishment 2011 saw WWE reach what some term Cena wins lol when John Cena defeated R-Truth in the main event by water being thrown at him and then Cena hitting the attitude adjustment. Around this same time, CM Punk became number one contender announced he, and announced he was leaving the company. A week later, the pipe bomb happened, and with that, a new era had started. This match transcends greatness, a storytelling masterpiece which ended the monotony and predictability of the previous three years. The least predictable outcome would have actually been a John Cena clean victory and act as nothing would happen. Instead, after 35 minutes of what can be described as a tense and grueling battle, Punk came out victorious in his hometown to the greatest reception in the history of the sport. Del Rio would then fail to cash in after the instructions of John Laurinaitis and Mr. McMahon. And with that, Punk escaped with the WWE Championship and kayfabe left the company. What happened after in terms of story is still debated by many fans, but the summer of punk changed everything, from the blurring of reality and storylines to the use of social media and promos to even the Ring of Honor type wrestling style that you see in the current WWE product. It has brought mainstream it brought mainstream attention to WWE that it hadn't seen from the Attitude Era and brought some fans back to the product too. And more importantly, if it weren't for this match, would fans have ever found a voice? Unpredictable, wild, shocking, awesome, a blur in the stars from the Attitude Era to the age of social media. This match had everything. And for many, a deserved number one. Guys, that took a lot of effort to write, and I was very tired at midnight. But apart from that, what do you think of uh, our number one pick? Sorry, I'm just finishing off my WWE ice cream bar. All right. <laughs> where, where are my ice cream? Um, to put this in context, in terms of votes, uh, this was my number one pick. Jason and Chen, you put uh, Chen yourself. You put this at number two. Uh, Mike put this in top five, and combined, it basically trounced everything else um, on this list, apart from Gargano versus Cole, which was close to winning. Um, but yeah, th- this is how popular this match is. So, Chen, uh, so, finish go. your ice cream bar. Okay. Um, 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 um. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was great. Um, so basically, 
as you know, I've said it before in the pod, like like the rest of you, we I also took a break from wrestling. Mm. Now, during my time away from wrestling, online, I saw WWE um, going viral only three times. One, that was when The Rock came back to be the host of WrestleMania. Uh, and two was The Pipe Bomb. And three was Cena... Um, Oh, sorry, Punk winning the title at Money in the Bank and running into the crowd. Side note, another time WWE went viral, but it was by accident. It was when apparently The Undertaker got fire for one of his entrances into the... Oh, that, 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 was, that was like two years prior, I think. Yeah, but, but that doesn't count. That wasn't like... But yeah. yeah. So first of all, I remember just before I left wrestling, uh, CM Punk was this guy in ECW and everything and like I always thought he had a great future and everything like that and his mic work and everything was amazing but you know I, something just told me like uh, he'll never be the guy because even though he's so talented it's just the way WWE politics work kind of thing mm-hmm. he's not Vince's guy he's not big and muscular over six foot so when I saw CM Punk going viral and everything and I didn't straight away watch this match. Like, I I didn't get back into wrestling straight away. It was round about the road to WrestleMania 29 when I started getting back into wrestling. And this was the first match I saw. And because of this match, I went back and watched all of CM Punk's other great matches. Like, his over the... I think it was over the limit pay-per-view... uh, with Daniel Bryan, uh, correct me if I'm wrong about that. Yeah, but... yeah, he he did. Uh, he had a few Daniel Bryan. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So when I came back, it was basically I missed the whole, pretty much the summer of Punk. But yeah. I came back. I watched everything Punk did, and I was keeping my eye on Daniel Bryan because I something just told me like, oh, in WWE, these two guys are going to be the next two big guys, basically. And yeah. Side note, I kind of got a similar feeling with this is when they were pushing Eddie and Benoit to be the main eventers at that time, like 10 years prior. So, um, yeah, but seeing this is what WWE needed. They needed someone like CM Punk to make it. They needed them to to bring back the pop culture, make them cross over again. And Punk was that guy. And what was interesting was seeing all the trouble that Punk had with the politics at behind backstage and everything. Like, you know, you were wondering why Punk, he's putting WWE on the map. And yeah, but there was just a lot of politics going on. And one thing I still don't understand to this day, mm-hmm. and Brock, maybe you, you can un- answer this question. Was Punk's contract actually running out? Yeah. Did it run out that day and he didn't sign anything? Okay, so um, for context, and this will tie into my own fandom. Uh, so I really started tuning out halfway through 2009. Like I watched the old pay-per-view. Like, I still watched WrestleMania and I watched the Royal Rumble, but that was about it. Like, And then I remember watching WrestleMania 27 and just going, that was a heap of garbage fuck this i'm i'm done but for some reason i would stay in tune with it via bleacher report because why not and i was a student and i had nothing to do on tuesday mornings so 
I was like, well, I'm a night owl, so F it. I'll watch Raw, even though it was bad uh, at that time. And, you know, people complain about the wrestling now. Seriously, main roster pay-per-views at this time, before this Money in the Bank pay-per-view, were absolute garbage. Um, with the exception of maybe WrestleMania 26. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I remember this just being a big thing. And um, so I slowly got back into it in a weird way. And I remember the dog crap, that capital punishment. But the CM Punk thing intrigued me. And CM Punk was interesting, but he wasn't doing anything at the time. And then it came out that he wasn't re-signing with the company. Uh, and I think the actual reality was that his contract was expiring in September. But I think he was just looking for an early way out. But it's that that was a success in this match. It was the blur in reality. He was frustrated creatively. Um, he was frustrated that he wasn't the guy, despite doing everything asked. And that seven-minute pipe bomb promo, probably the greatest promo since Austin 316, um, arguably the equivalent of, if not better than Austin 316, really revealed what he thought, uh, I think a lot of the fan frustration, which was era of John Cena dominance, not that John Cena was, you know, John Cena deservedly was face of the company, but not to this Hogan-like extent, which was damaging. So yeah, the CM Punk, he brought me back big time into wrestling. He was cool. Like he was my attitude era of some ways, you know, I know it's PG product, but he, he didn't give a damn what he said. He could cut lengthier promos better than anyone. Like out of context, I can understand why people don't like CM Punk if they're new to it. Um, if you weren't around 2011, but this guy shocked, shocked the wrestling world without a doubt. And I remember watching this match live uh, on my TV, and I've never been glued to a wrestling match in the same level ever since. There was no doubt in my mind. Um, this was going to be my number one. It might, it's not the best technical match. It's a John Cena match. Obviously, it can't be the best technical match on this list. But and that's no. Hey, John, John Cena's Cena. had many great matches. Though. Oh no, no, I agree. Yeah. John Cena is wrestler in terms of storytelling. This wasn't like the cleanest wrestling match you ever see. But no one knew what was going to happen. And this era was a definition of predictable. And this was a complete reverse. And it was absolutely amazing to just even see part of this journey. And Summer Punk, disappointment, who cares? This in itself, the greatest match in the greatest pay-per-view of the decade. I don't care what anybody says. Sam, have you watched this match? So, uh, no. I'm probably not the best person. Well... I think I've got to give my true and honest opinion and it completely goes against obviously everyone else in this pod and most of the people in the wrestling world. Please do not come to the meetup we said earlier and lynch me, uh, but I don't rate CM Punk that highly. To me, the pipe bomb promo just seemed like another WWE guy doing another promo. I wanted it to be this incredible, explosive, blurring of reality and, and fiction and stuff. Okay. But to me, it just seemed like a bloke doing so, a WWE promo. So, for, first and foremost, you haven't seen the best match. So, uh, when you say you don't like CM Punk, uh, did you watch any of his matches with Jeff Hardy? 
any matches? Yeah, I watched, so I watched a few of his matches, but I, to be honest, like the pipe bomb was built up as this incredible thing so much that when I watched it and then kind uh, of saw that CM Punk was a bit of a gimp, uh, I thought, oh, I don't really care about going and I seeing th- the I, other I matches. Think, I, think, I think the thing is at the time, like the reason why it's such a revered promo is because it went viral. Like this, we weren't sure if it, I mean, you might say it's another WWE promo and this is where you're completely wrong. And this is where context is important. No one knew that. I remember Twitter, everything exploded and no one knew whether this guy just took a mic and ex- just went on a seven minute oh, rant live on television. On. No, but they just no, cut no, the no, mic no, off no, if no, they Sam, didn't want you, him to talk. No, Sam, Sam, <laughs> let me finish. And this is a problem. You th- you don't have the context at the time. This is like me criticizing Austin 316. I wasn't there. I don't know the context. I was bloody yeah, four. So, you know, um, this is a frustrated fan base that were, hearing the, that, that were hearing their frustrations for the first. CM Punk, this is the actual story, was told, yeah, you can do a shoot promo. <laughs> and he did. And they cut it off during an appropriate moment. Probably. Especially when he said Vince should be, this company will be better when Vince is dead. Like, then it'll be run by Triple H, another doofus. See, yeah. that seemed to me like that no, he got that like, cleared. And then he said a line about wearing panties. And I was like, oh, mate, come on. No, I, I, this is a thing. No one, whilst oh. you, you could say that because we're now a smarter audience than we have yeah, been. Yeah, and we had the women's that... evolution and everything. But you've got to yeah. think about wrestling at that time. Yeah. I guess I, I, that wasn't really meant to be like a, a kind of identity politics criticism of him, if that if that makes no, sense. No, like I, it's I, more I, like it just default WWE. Like no, it's definitely not. Default, but that was the start of a revolution in the business because I think NXT was starting to form as well. Mm, uh, NXT was still the reality, but anyway, it was still the reality. But him and Brian changed the business. So no, to, to, say, to say the pipe bomb, uh, I can't. I can't accept that. Like usually, I'm very accept people's opinions but say it's another WWE promo and this is why context is key and please let me finish because i'm not actually frustrated okay the reason why context is key here is because whilst you say no it's just a WWE promo it's so obvious a promo you're we're part of a smarter audience this time in 2011 people weren't smart people (laughs) didn't know whether this was like holy shit did he just go off the rails live on air he's saying everything is is this a work? Is this a shoot? This was like the first time ever, like, well, not ever, but in a long, long time. Not since the days of like Bret Hart's Montreal Screwjob and the shoot crap that they did in Vince Russo's WCW. This is the first time that people were thinking, what just happened? And then everything that followed, yeah, it was a storyline. It was story. Yeah, I mean, everything that followed was the most perfect build to a pay per view that deserves all the hype that it gets. Um, and I think its context is everything. You had to be a fan frustrated at the product to really understand the impact of the promo, I believe. To call it an ordinary WWE promo, maybe it's the fact that you got back into wrestling in 2015. And I think that's the case. Um, or at least I hope so. But to label it as an ordinary WWE promo 
it shows a lack of understanding of the context of the situation. And I think that's down to the fact that you weren't there, Sam. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be blunt with you. I mean, that's not really a kind of, uh, what's the right word? An incredible revelation. Yeah, I'll happily admit that I, I didn't watch the show at that time. So going back and watching it, it didn't have the same impact much. for me. <laughs> But well, yeah, this is what show... people say, right? I'm not going to watch fucking two years of Raw. No, but you don't like, need to. You don't need to watch two years of time. But that but, was uh, changing. Um, that was the start of a new revolution in the business and changing of the business. If it weren't for the, if it weren't for CM Punk and his vocal frustrations about the type of wrestling that you get, I mean, the, the, the style of wrestling changed from that point. Daniel Bryan got the push. Daniel Bryan, it was Wade Barrett and Cody Rhodes that was supposed to win one of the Money in the Bank briefcases that that year. It was Daniel Bryan, who wasn't doing anything. Um, it was the start of a change of what you see, this NXT style, some people call it, this NXT era of wrestling. It, a lot of that hinges on CM Punk. And this, you know, it did bring a new way of storytelling. Whether you love it or not, it changed the game. Unlike, I've got to say, unlike the other 10 matches on this list. And that is the difference between CM Punk versus John Cena. It changed the business. Exactly. So I, yeah, okay, fair enough. Not only that, it gave hope. I would say it gave hope for independent wrestlers that, wow, maybe they can become main eventers because CM Punk is headlining pay-per-views and becoming champion. Like, because, you know, the independent wrestlers at the time, they saw... CM Punk and Daniel Bryan as gods because they they independent wrestlers, small guys, but they they main eventing the biggest pay per views. And I will say this: some of the match was garbage. But when I came back into wrestling on the road to WrestleMania twenty nine at that Royal Rumble, it was Rock versus CM Punk, and just seeing them the build up to that match, how even Punk held his own promo skills against the Rock. I think even he did better than the Rock was great yeah so, so i mean like the rock got owned by john cena a couple of times as well like oh. it was quite surprising but um yeah cm punk rock i mean that was that was and i mean predictable but it was a very good build also sam yeah i would also recommend that you watch cm punk versus undertaker wrestlemania 29 yeah well, i know the result of that one already yeah, but you should still watch it. Okay. Yeah, what, what, I mean, come on. You knew the result of a card and a few of those New yeah. Japan matches. Yeah, you true, true. You can't, you can't hold one to some stand and say, oh, it's fine. And then. Okay. I'll say this. A card of Omega as a technical masterpiece is definitely better than CM Punk versus John Cena, but it's context and, and the impact of the industry is just phenomenal for this match. And there's a reason why everyone wanted CM Punk to come either join AEW or just come back to wrestling in general. They're still yeah. hoping for it. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I get that and I don't understand it either. But I, like I say, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't around at the time. To me, CM Punk is like Randy Orton. He's like a, a guy who got really big when I didn't watch wrestling and lots of people really seem to like oh, him. Boy. And I do not know oh, why. I don't boy, get it. I'm don't not saying it. that they're on the you same know what? level. The difference I'm between Randy Orton and CM Punk car is that mind. Randy Orton had the company behind him and Triple H. And CM Punk I mean, actually cared. I'm sure. Oh, and also both of them have massively overinflated opinions about they are to business now. 
listen, podcast wrestling podcast only became popular because of CM Punk as well. I just want to say that. I I don't I don't think that's mm. necessarily true. Wrestling podcasts got popular because wrestling fans, and I say this as a wrestling fan, don't usually know many other wrestling fans, and so when they watch a show, they don't have anyone to talk through it with, and so they listen to podcasts to fill that gap. And I say that as someone who does that. Um, and so that's, I think, why wrestling podcasts are so popular. Uh, it was um, the first wrestling podcast I listened to was uh, CM Punk's interview. That's what I same. That was the same. Same with me. I was like, what I was the like, I was like oh. what the? F- what, why is CM Punk? Tra- oh, I'm going to listen to this. Oh my shit, Almighty! This is this is quite incredible. Um, you know, I still love the story where he tells like him and Vince McMahon pissing themselves over the fact that CM Punk shot himself in the ring. <laughs> uh, I don't know what, I don't know I don't know why that look I like toilet humor. What can I say? Um, that was funny. The fact that he immediately went on Twitter and was just like yeah I shot myself on SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny but also kind of sad because obviously I I have read about wrestling and watched videos about it and I understand that he was actually really sick when he shat himself and that was why he shat himself yeah funny but also kind of a bit tragic and yeah like you guys were saying indicative of the situation in the locker room at the time not being great and you want to talk about promos i remember though this is so this isn't part of wwe story but when they were promoting the game 2k13 or whatever they had that interview with um jim russell interviewing stone cold and cm punk oh yeah that was one of my favorite moments as well and remember when they kept teasing that match yeah it was just ah, and it. um but even like punk still had great matches even when he lost the belt it's just a shame that his streak came to an end because of the rock and john cena for wrestlemania to uh the second wrestlemania match but yeah. he had matches great matches with um for example with brock lesnar like uh, that was a great match that, that some time a match with brock lesnar was awesome like you know those two really wanted to put their all into that match and they did and yeah. uh, even though it was inevitable Lesnar would win it just you know it, it's on that same caliber with AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan those sorts of matches but the, even the, the promos they did during those matches between Punk and Paul Heyman just the build up oh um, yeah yeah I heck I even shaved I remember I shaved my head because CM Punk shaved his head like I just remember wow yeah, yeah. That's, how, that's how much I love Punk yeah. Did you go straight in? No. 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 I think one of the sad parts of the business is as soon as Punk walked out of the business of WWE, yep. we lost Daniel Bryan like two months later to injury for like, well, a, like ooh, two, few, three years. It was, it was a few months later. But no, Daniel Bryan was like, he was elevated to the main event. Obviously, yeah. won the title and then concussion issues. And, and we've always wondered, like, if Punk has stayed, Daniel Bryan had main evented. Like, but mm. you know, either way, I don't think you changed the business. I don't think he would have because it would have been. I think it would have stayed Batista, Randy. I think it would have been CM Punk, Triple H. I'm not sure who Daniel Bryan would have feuded. I think it might have been Kane. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it. You know. He he kind of almost sacrificed himself. Daniel Bryan got elevated because of it uh, in a weird yeah. way. Um, so in a way, he helped push Daniel Bryan to the top. Yeah, but it's just, uh, you know, they didn't really do anything with him after the Lesnar match. Yeah. And uh, I think if they gave him, if it was Rock, 
Cena CM Punk at WrestleMania. That's the main 29. event that everyone wanted. Yeah, instead of I mean CM Punk Undertaker. It was a great match. That was a match of the night, but yeah. like yeah. But uh yeah I, I mean such as the impact of this match we've had a fascinating debate over it and I think we could go on and on. But the match itself is uh just a master stroke of storytelling and its impact still felt today by many fans and you know a lot of people call this the pay-per-view of the decade as well so uh for those who haven't seen cm punk versus or money in the bank 2011 treat yourself go on the WWE network or whatever means and uh watch this match because you're guaranteed to love it so thank you gentlemen for uh joining me in this uh first of i love the 2010s and uh Hopefully, uh, we won't get into too much infighting after the show. But uh, <laughs> thank you for joining <laughs> us, listener, uh, for our Match of the Decade episode two. Uh, next week, we will be doing a Royal Rumble of the greatest Royal Rumble participants. However, until next time, remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and give us a five-star review where possible if you enjoyed the show. And also, do not forget to subscribe. And that's the bottom line, because this pod said so.